0: Welcome to 2 Deep Hokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete Berthaud, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. We are going to the Sweet 16, Robbie. How are you feeling?
1: Oh, I am. I am so pumped. I, I I've been. It's more, awesome. I'm so juiced about everything. I've been uh, following basketball probably as closely as I ever have. And uh, you're you're always the expert, but I I feel like I am. Uh, i think you might have
0: one up me this weekend
1: yeah yeah i've i've watched so much basketball and um it's been i know it's been all chalk and everybody's going to complain about that but it's been really exciting to uh to pay attention to everything as closely as they have this year
0: so give us the cheers man a couple things you could probably do here
1: (laughs) yeah there's a couple things um Weirdly, I'm gonna I'm gonna start it with wrestling, um, and I'll probably butcher this, but uh, it's I think it's Makai, it's M E K H I. So Makai Lewis won the national championship, the 165 pound weight class, uh, for Virginia Tech. I actually watched it live, um, and I wouldn't say that like I follow wrestling at all closely, but there was enough great. Uh, Twitter feeds out there that were promoting uh, this matchup. So I flipped it over. I turned off March Madness probably for the only time of the whole weekend to see Virginia Tech get um, not a team, but an individual national championship. So huge hat tip to that guy. And he's only a freshman, a redshirt freshman. So hopefully we get to see many more, uh, you know, um, great performances out of him. And then of course, Equally as big, if not bigger, is um, the the basketball program. I mean, just an unbelievable road that this has been thus far. It's got even more excitement ahead, I hope, in making to Sweet 16 the first time. I think it's been 52 years or something along those lines, uh, at least 50. I think that's right. And um, I, I just I couldn't be more excited with the seniors on the program, how great these these guys are the interviews are just outstanding listening to these players talk and how excited they are. Even Nikhil Alexander uh, talking about how he's playing and wants to play as long as possible with you know the seniors around him. Uh, this is just turned into what w- you and I thought was going to be an unbelievable story and has turned into all of that and more. And now here we are in the sweet 16. Uh, it's, it's pretty incredible.
0: It's great, man. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, it is the first time that we're in the Sweet 16 since 1967, so I think you're right on the years there. The thing was, it wasn't really the Sweet 16 back then. There were only 23 teams in that 96, 1967 tournament, so since it expanded, it's really the first trip for all intents and purposes. It's our first trip to the Sweet 16, and uh, we played a 13 and a 12, so people might knock our road, but hey, we played who's in front of us and... And we got there. And we'll get to it a little bit, but Liberty gave us a good shot, too, in the second round. That's right. Um, The tournament in general has been very much chalk, as they like to say. There's only one team that's higher than a five seed in the Sweet 16, and that's Oregon at 12, who's a power conference champion. So it's – there's no, like – what Loyola Chicago or whatever it is this year no yeah, exactly. no uh, Sister Jean <laughs> team this year Auburn or something i guess would be the the underdog in Oregon so
1: yeah and i i think um i i don't know it's i sound like um an idiot because my my bracket was doing so well this year but i i really did think like the top teams were that good that it was going to end up being chalk. I think a lot of people did because a lot of brackets that you know people picked are, are doing really well. Um, not many upsets. Even Oregon's playing outstanding. Auburn's playing outstanding. And those are... You know, people are like, yeah, we can't even call those even close to a Cinderella because of how talented those teams are. So it's been very much chalk. The school
0: sponsored by Nike is not a Cinderella team. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Um, so it's been very much chalk, but I think... This year, I mean, the, the teams have been—they're s- so good at the top. I think it's—I um, think a lot of people saw it coming, even more than most years. I know, I know, every year people are going to th- say the—you know—the top teams are the best, but um, they were so dominant during the season. I think most people saw this coming.
0: And we did almost have the very big upset of UCF over Duke. Um, <laughs> if anyone watched the end of that game, they know how. Potentially frustrating, you found it, although a lot of people were rooting for Duke to win for bracket purposes. Yeah. I think a lot of people hate Duke enough that they still wouldn't have been too upset if they had lost, and there was a lot of weird stuff that happened at the end of the game. We were talking about it just before we came on. The, the fouls, the, the rebound on the free throw, and then at the end of the game, the two balls that just bounce out of the rim. How, were you rooting for UCF to pull off the victory, or were you rooting for us to still play Duke?
1: I I, I got to be honest, I know everybody's going to think I'm a moron, but I was impartial because I, I wanted to see us face Duke. And just because, I, you know, I've paid so much more attention to basketball this year and I've, you know, I've listened to so much more kind of media commentary on what's happening throughout the season that... The whole, and I I hate this narrative, but the whole Zion was out when we beat him thing, I'm like, I want another go at it. It's been eating away at you. (laughs) Yeah, it's literally been driving me crazy. So I know that's insane to say because everybody and their brother and their sister was hoping that Duke would lose to UCF. And I honestly felt really bad for UCF with the mischarge call. uh, You know, just a lot of things that happened at the end of that game. They had two shots to win it. I, you know, my heart went out to, to the the players and how upset they were after losing that game and how great it would have been for them to beat Duke. But like in this weird, sick way, and I said it to, you know, our friend Richard, when, when I was sitting next to him watching the game, I was like, I, I kind of wanted Duke to win so that we got the shot to, to, to beat them. And, and I know that's crazy to say, but honestly, I believe this team, you know, this has a chance.
0: I don't, I don't think it's that crazy because I, I was kind of in a similar boat. It, it was the other idea that if UCF makes it and plays us, well, then they're the underdog and we're not. Yeah. And so I, I don't know. I, playing from a position of nothing to lose is appealing to me. And playing in a huge spotlight game, like you said, and a chance to make it right in the sense that everyone has the, the asterisk next to our win over Duke – it'd be nice to eliminate that. So I was kind of in the same boat like I either way I would have been fine, but I a part of me definitely wanted to go at Duke and see if we can beat them in a the city that has the most of our alumni. So like it, it's just so great we got that spotlight game in DC. Uh I know that you were thinking about going. Well how's that how's how's the ticket searching going?
1: <laughs> it's, it's I'm I'm using every <laughs> I'm using my 13 years of uh, work experience in this city and every single person that I've met and letting them know, hey, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge Virginia Tech fan, uh, seeing if I can get like a, a, a throwout ticket to me. Um, and they are... I I have a relatively decent network of a lot of uh, kind of high powered uh, Virginia Tech alumni, and I still can't find anything. Of course, that that's just because it's me. So uh, if I was uh, if I was a big time CEO, then I would be fine. But uh, it's or if it's you were not... Tremaine
0: Edmonds, Buzz would leave him at Will Call. For yeah, me.
1: <laughs> that 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 was awesome. I actually did. Like I think some...
0: Tremaine could afford to buy his own ticket on StubHub, but <laughs> yeah, it was very cool of Buzz to. Uh... To put on twitter that you know we'll have two tickets waiting for you jermaine
1: yeah so needless to say i'm probably gonna have to shell out the 350 to 400 if i want to go to the game and it's not off the table um uh, my wife is uh seems like she's open to it so um but then i have to find somebody i'm not going by myself i mean that would be uh terrible so i have to find somebody else that would also be willing to to shell out the money so we'll we'll see what happens but uh I, I don't know. I'm. I, I hope I can get a ticket. I hope I can go because I mean it's kind of a uh, it's a once in the biggest in a lifetime. game in school history, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, and it's right down the street, so I'm gonna feel like a a complete uh, a complete idiot if I don't go.
0: Another thing I noticed uh, online this week was the Avengers videos that the team has been putting out. They put out a new one today, uh, and they had put one out before the game last week, or before the games last week, and. They're both awesome. Uh, uh-huh. they they take like the Avengers quotes and play them over the back and they've got like the cartoon of our guys and the Avengers like the shuffling pages and then it goes into a video. It's so cool. They're really really well done. Like shout out to the staff for putting those together cuz they're excellent. And they just got everyone so pumped up today on social media so
1: i do want to shout out i'm I'm a video game nerd i love comic books i'm not a my brother's a huge comic book uh a nerd and uh so he would probably you know would love it even more if he was a virginia tech fan um but it's it, it, I, once again and I've, I've said it a lot but i think it's important especially with the spring game coming up that's not going to be televised. The way that Buzz and the basketball staff have um, addressed social media is, quite frankly, it's it's you know it's spot on. It, it, they just yeah. understand what they're trying to do and what they're trying to build. Um, and uh, it's I, second I, to
0: none. I mean, <laughs> we are biased, and we really only follow one team very closely, but I can't imagine any other program is doing a better job. They might be doing an equal job, but not better than, than what our team is doing right now in terms of the social media game. Yep. All right, let's talk about what we had to do to get to our matchup against Duke. And that was beat St. Louis and beat Liberty and the St. Louis game. We'll go through it quickly. It started with just suffocating defense in the first half. It was 40 to 18 at halftime. They only gave up 18 points to St. Louis. It just felt like we were in such control. And then the second half, it wasn't crisp. And that was a little bit to be expected coming out of such a high scoring first half and dominant first half. But I, they still closed the game. There was a little bit of time there where I was getting nervous. It was getting a little too close for comfort. But ultimately, we pretty much cruised to victory. Uh, Nikhil had 20 points and six boards, was driving a ton, three steals. He looked good. Robinson came off the bench, did seem a little rusty, went two of seven from the field. And I think the, the biggest thing with Robinson was when he started limping around. That was like the biggest note in the game that I got a little bit scared that his foot wasn't right.
1: Yeah, when he was down, I think it was uh, they were down at Liberty's basket, and then he did like the walk off kind of over by, and and that got me a little bit worried. Um, Like I said, you know, you're the basketball expert, but I I tweeted out many times that that first half defense was unbelievable. I mean, they were ever like we were double teaming, but somehow it still seemed like everybody was covered. Like there was no open man. It, it, it just looked fantastic. And then going into the second half, um, I said, I was, I was still nervous because I don't take anything for granted any <laughs> anymore. And, um, they did They a little bit of, you know, they let, let their foot off the gas and things kind of didn't go the right direction. Liberty got within 10 and, um, but they they pulled it back together at the end, and you know you could see, you know the seniors and Nikhil and uh, I know he's young, but like the maturity of even him and the rest of the team, kind of the resolve that they had in in pulling that game out. But uh, I did get a little bit worried, and um, it'll probably carry through for the rest of our notes about what J Rob means to this team and where he's at from kind of coming back out and getting you know his legs on back underneath him.
0: Outlaw had another nice game, rebounding. He had seven boards in the St. Louis game and seven points. Blackshear had 15 points, and Hill had 10 points, three rebounds, and two steals. A strong game from Hill again. For being like such a monumental game for us, getting over the hump of finally winning a first round game, it was fairly unspectacular. No one like really went crazy, and we kind of let it, like you said, foot off the gas in the second half. You, you kind of finished the game like you f- were very happy they won, but you're like, hmm, that, that could have looked better. So when we were playing Liberty two nights later, and I, I, I am curious to your thoughts on just playing Liberty rather than Mississippi State, you were hoping to see some more from the team. Um, me personally, I didn't want to play Liberty. I, I I guess you always want to play the lower seed, it, you know, because they, they you think oh they blow their wad in that game now we'll just take care of them in this game but you don't want to be the team that is you know and it gets yeah. kicked out of the tournament and you don't want to lose to Liberty like that it put us in such a position like it's a kind of a local I wouldn't say rival but uh, they're a close team to us there's another Virginia team they have questionable hiring tactics taking on the eight the. Baylor AD and Hugh freeze and just like unlikable all the way around, uh, Jerry Falwell and and everything else. And it just, it made me uneasy. I was like, I don't like the way this is playing out. I'm nervous about this. And I know we beat them in the exhibition game, but it was an exhibition and it was a long time ago. Um, And it started to manifest in that first half.
1: Yeah. And it was it was almost the it was almost the opposite of the St. Louis game in some respects, in that like, you know, we came out in the first half in St. Louis and it was just dominant. And then the second half was a little bit more questionable in in this game. First half, Liberty came out strong. They started, you know, they were up for a good portion of that uh, that first half. And in the second half, we came out. I didn't want this Liberty matchup at all. It, it just, it had, you know, us against Mississippi State. Granted, I think Mississippi State is still the better team than Liberty. So it ended up being a, a better matchup for us uh overall and yeah and at least in 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 my thoughts but like mississippi state's anonymous and that's
0: kind of like what i liked about that matchup it's
1: like we don't know
0: them let's play our game and just beat them and so it it, that yeah i I get what you're saying like i i feel the same way
1: yeah so it was i was scared of that game um and i honestly i was scared till the, the the final buzzer like i'll be in every game but Liberty was was not the best pull for us. That said, we we also had a um, a good one-two punch in getting St. Louis and then and then getting Liberty. I thought the team played well. They came together, um, and quite frankly, I, I I like that they're having to show that resolve and that ability to play well in tough spots um, in in both games. That, that said they're gonna have to do a lot more moving forward. Um they I think the Liberty team was a little bit I, I they had um the recipe, I think more so than St. Louis to to beat us. So uh it makes me happy that the team came out and played the way they did.
0: Well yeah, because they could actually play offense. <laughs> and th- yeah, that was that's the thing. right. And McGee was reigning threes in the first half. He had four, I think it was and we were a bit discombobulated to start the game. And thank God for Blackshear. His toughness and rebounding were the only reason it was a three-point game at the half. And and that's what made me feel okay, was that like we took their best shot, and we were still only down three. And I just felt like, okay, they're going to get their crap together at halftime and outlast this weaker, not as uh, physical Liberty team. And that's really what happened. They, they kept taking threes and they started to miss them. Robinson looked great in the second half. I thought, I thought he looked a lot more like himself, much more comfortable. Uh, He hit a big three. He had four assists. He played just under 30 minutes in both the Liberty and the St. Louis game. And that, that was exciting to see. It's just him doing a little driving, doing a little dishing. It, It was like, he hadn't been hurt. And so I'm hoping that Russ continues to shake off and will be all the way off by the time we play Duke. In the second half, it was like the first half of the St. Louis game. We clamped down on D. They only hit six field goals in the second half. They had a bunch of free throws, but they went long stretches without making an actual basket. Uh, Ahmed Hill was awesome. Three Three of five from three. He had 14 points and two steals. Ahmed Hill, I mean... From shooting 22% or whatever to now over the last six games, shooting 58% from three. Are you going to apologize now? I, I mean, I kind of apologized in the last podcast, and I, you know, we both gave him his kudos for like making the big shot against Florida State and playing better in the Duke game and both Florida State games. But I mean, it, it, Ahmed Hill, a, a redemption story. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's it's a book. It's coming. It's coming out this spring. Um, I, yeah, I'm happy for him because he has always been a guy who had every athletic gift and would start a season well and would go into the tank yeah. and and his shooting would just fall off a cliff every year late in the season and he did it again and now he's dipped completely you know back up and he's going up the hill now. And pun not intended. Uh, and he's he's looking great. I mean he uh, he is in transition. I feel so comfortable when he has the ball. Like I just know he's going to jam it or he's going to get fouled. Um, and and defensively and just his attitude, it brings so much to the team. And I, I I'm not sure I ever thought I'd say that about Ahmed Hill. And he, here he is. In the biggest games, and he's playing really well.
1: Yeah, and he's not. Um, He's just. He's bringing the team together. I mean, he's he's so poised. He's so you know. He's so positive. You can see when he's talking to his team, and he can see mentally like when other people are down because of things like not going their way, and he goes over and brings them back up. I mean, it's he is the definition of a senior player that you want. To you know, be part of your team, and um, I, I'm just so happy for him. I mean, he's been there from the beginning. It, it's just yeah. been it's been a long, you know, <laughs> it's been a long road to where we've gotten, and um, he's been so not to not take anything away from you know J Rob and everybody else, but he's been so critical to it. And you, the way that Buzz speaks about him is. Um, it's honestly, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's weird, you know, it's been what four years of our life that we we've spent watching him kind of grow into the player he is. And it's, it's really exciting to see on the court.
0: Yeah. It might be a full five. Cause I think he tore his ACL and missed a whole season. Yeah. So I think this is actually yeah. his fifth year. Um, anyway, uh, back to the, back to the last few stats of the game, Nikhil struggled a bit more in this one. Uh, missed some shots at the rim, but he did have six assists, including a really nice dime pass at one point. I think it was, might've been Blackshear. Um, but yeah, he not so good shooting, but he, he does, he, he did the thing that he normally does, or if he struggles from the field, he makes up for it with assists and rebounding and energy and all the other stuff. We had 19 steals in the two games we had nine in the first game and 10 in the second game. And that, that helps us so much. And it's similar to Duke, too. They like to play tough defense, turn the ball over, get out in transition, and score. And that's a big part of our game. It's a big part of Duke's game, and it's, it's something that we have in common. Uh, 26 wins on the season now after the Liberty game, most in school history. And the win over Liberty, we talked about it just before we came on, was Buzz's 100th at Virginia Tech. He has 168. That is a 595 winning percentage and for comparison Seth Greenberg was 170 and 123 which is 580 but to uh, to put that 100th win to get you into the sweet 16 it's a it's just a beautiful thing
1: <laughs> yeah and you know i i'm trying to remember what Seth inherited and i've never gone back to actually look at that but i mean a lot of people have said it but uh, and it, I, I don't mean this to be degrading but Buzz inherited an absolute dumpster fire, like in a a complete dumpster fire, like the worst ACC team that you could ever imagine. And in five years, he's turned it into We're, I mean, we're in the sweet 16. It's honestly, it's almost hard to like step back from it, but it's good to, and understand what, and it's not just him. And I, I, I don't mean to be that way. It's the players as well, but what he got people to envision in this program and, and to actually produce on the court. Um, it's, it's, the you know, it's, it's the reason that people think that he could be, you know, one of the top, you know, 10 highest paid coaches next year, if he ends up going to another program because of what he's done and what people are seeing in, in his ability to, to coach and be a part of the program and invigorate the fan base and get his players inspired to, to play well.
0: It really is. Let's take a quick beer break before we go into a little bit more depth on the Duke game. Robbie, what are you drinking?
1: So um, there was a a beer event the other night, a, a, a tournament beer event. Uh, and uh, a few colleagues of mine grabbed a bunch of Aslan beer, uh, beers. They came and showed up. And the one I'm drinking now, Aslan's known for incredible uh, IPAs. But this is actually a stout. It's uh, the next beer do. It's an Aslan beer company that's out of Herndon, Virginia. Uh, it's a stout. It is like 15%. Uh, so it is a very high volume. Let's, uh, let's just leave it at that. And But it is delicious. It, it, they honestly, Aslan puts out some of the best quality beers uh, in, in all of Virginia, probably all of the DMV area. And this one is no different. It is outstanding. So uh, it's the next beer due. You're not going to find it on the shelves, unfortunately. So I'm sorry to to tout a beer that uh, is hard to come by, but it's well worth uh, getting uh, some commentary on the podcast for.
0: Nice. I'm drinking the Brew Free or Die IPA by 21st Amendment. This, you know, you might have had this on the podcast. I don't believe that I have. Um, I also could be mistaken about that because we're we're so far into this. I I I didn't even bother looking it up. It just felt right because our games in DC, we just beat a team called Liberty. Uh, brew free or die, and the whole you know America theme. It just felt right. So it, it's a very good IPA. I you know I haven't had too many Twenty First Amendments that I love, but uh, this one seven percent alcohol. I think it's what like. 70 IBUs, so not too much, not too little. This is, seems like it's right up your alley.
1: I hate that beer. You hate this beer? Yes, I know, and that's why I was loving while you were reading it because it's. I I knew you were going to think I like that one. The the. The, uh, 21st amendment, um, folks, uh, I probably just ruined, uh, whatever minimal chance we have at another sponsorship, <laughs> but, uh, 21st amendment doesn't put out many beers that I, that I like. And, uh, it was all because of the brew fear for you to hide, but I do, you know what I do like about, uh, a 21st amendment is the graphics they put on the cans are always like mm-hmm. really nice. Um, so the the beer is not my favorite but they they do an incredible job with the the graphics and everything that they put on there but anyway it all that matters not, yeah
0: is- I'm not like uh blown away by it I think it's a solid beer it just has that the bitterness in it like I feel like is what you seek in an IPA that's around this percentage yeah but I could see like it's not amazing but
1: Tonight, taste, it tastes okay. They do... Um, I think they also do a watermelon beer um, during the summer months. Well, that's that the month. one everyone...
0: Yeah, hella high watermelon. Yeah, hella high. I, that's, that, that, that's the one that was like the first introduction. Yeah. I was like, what is this brewery? They have the watermelon beer. Oh, that's right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and my wife is... Uh, as much as she can drink beer now, but she 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 loves that beer. And it, it actually... It is, that beer is actually... Nice during like when it's like 100 degrees in Virginia and you're like, I need something a little bit more refreshing. So that that is a good one. And I think I think that's also 21st Amendment. So I will give them props on on that one.
0: Okay, let's let's get into Duke Uh, number four in the Ken Palm for Duke. They're sixth on defense and seventh on offense. So uh, pretty evenly balanced across the board for Duke. The line on the game is currently seven points. We are the underdogs, as you would imagine. Uh, I'm a little scared of Duke. they they have what four first round picks probably on their team, three of which are likely to go in the top ten. Some say even top five. Uh, though Cam Reddish is sliding down draft boards just a touch. Duke was 31 and five in the regular season. The five losses were to Gonzaga, Syracuse, UNC twice, and of course, Virginia Tech without Zion, in parentheses.
1: (laughs) You had had to do it to us.
0: I I mean, ESPN has to do it. I guess we have to do it here. I will say we were also without Justin Robinson. I think everyone knows that. And UCF gave Duke all they can handle, opening the window of opportunity inside our minds that they can be beaten. Because... I don't know about you, but watching that game, I wasn't seeing uh, mind-blowing offensive sets from Duke. I wasn't seeing adjustments necessarily from their coaching staff and most notably Coach K. It just kind of seemed like the the talent was out there and Coach K was like, yeah, just um, go take care of it and, and, and beat this UCF team.
1: I couldn't, I couldn't agree more, and, and you know a lot of people talk about the Zion versus Taco, you know, situation. And quite frankly, he he was outstanding, and and he did everything other than what I thought. Uh, some of them were, you know, true fouls that I saw that he picked up. A couple of them I think might have been a little bit uh, shaky, but otherwise, uh, he gave. And that's not to say that we have anybody that's, what, 7'6 on our team. <laughs> yeah. but um, He is
0: ridiculously enormous. Like, it's staggering.
1: I know. And when he got out there and he when he was standing next to Zion, it, it wasn't until that moment I realized. And I know Zion's not tall, but he's big. It wasn't until that moment that I realized just, like, how large that human being is. And um, he came out and... Um, you know, it wasn't even it, what I guess what impressed me the most, or at least made me more more comfortable about this matchup against Duke was it wasn't all Taco that like really caused that. Like it, there was a no. lot of things like that just happened between UCF's uh, defense overall their defensive game. The plan. kid Hawkins,
0: the the is the the coach's son. Yeah, he, he, he was spectacular for you know ninety nine percent of the game. Yeah, and then. He I, I think he missed did he, was he the one that missed the alley oop, uh grabbing the alley oop and then he had a chance at the end too to tip it in. I, I think I'm that, not gonna blame him for I that.
1: I think it was him. Um and yeah. but then and then Duke didn't really change their game plan that all that much. I mean, and they didn't really, you know, pivot in and, and what they were seeing on the defensive side. So um Duke looked Extremely, I, I always use this. Looked very human for like what you're like expecting from the Duke team that everybody's been talking about all year. Granted, we all know that they have that many five stars. We know what they can do when they're they're on their game, but they're also susceptible to when an offensive team is playing very well um, and they're shooting the ball well and they're being very efficient. They're passing well to what can happen to this Duke team. So um, it's, it, that was a, I think that was an eye-opening game for a lot of people, including a lot of people that fall, you know, you know, college football or college basketball very closely because most of them came out and they had a whole different perspective on Duke than they had going into that game.
0: Uh, I was listening to Seth Greenberg uh, today and also one shining podcast. They were talking about this too, that Duke, doesn't really run an offense. And, and that's kind of what I was alluding to a couple of minutes ago is that they're just, I it's not as simple as coach K is just, you know, rolling the ball out there and saying, go get them. But uh, Greenberg was like, you know, when I used to coach against Duke for nine years, they ran a lot of sets that were difficult to defend. And I'm not seeing that right now. You know, I, I I'm just seeing like overwhelming talent, you know, willing their way to victory. And, They've been concentrating more on the defensive end, and because, and they are incredible on defense. They're number one in the nation in block shots, and that leads to a lot of offense for them. and And they're leaving it up to their young stars offensively. Uh, other teams to defend them, and this is what UCF did too. They've been primarily just defending Zion, defending Barrett to a lesser extent, Reddish, and making the more auxiliary guys beat them, uh, which is what we did. Like they didn't have Zion, but we focused on. Barrett. And he, he still, he had a terrible beginning to the game against tech. And then he had a much better second half um, and reddish and like tried to make their role players win the game for them. And I think that's what we're going to do here. The difference of what we did the first two games to what I think we'll see against Duke is we didn't really shoot threes. We shot a total of 26 threes in both games. We made a nice percentage. I think we were 42% in the two games total. Uh, but we wanted to go inside. We wanted paint touches for Black against those two matchups. I think we're gonna be shooting a lot more threes in this game. Hundred percent. I, I I we're gonna live by it and die by it. That's the you know, it's, this is going to be make your threes, you'll have a chance to beat Duke. Miss your threes, you'll have absolutely no chance.
1: It was on per <laughs> I think it was actually on purpose. I mean, I think Buzz's game plan was to go into those games and I think if you saw us in a bad position, obviously we would have started shooting the three ball a lot more, but when it seemed like it was relatively in control, which both games were like none, neither of them ever felt like they were out of hand. I think that we would have been shooting the three ball a little bit more, but I don't, I don't think buzz. I think buzz knew that we had a chance to have a matchup against Duke and he wanted to show a different hand and then he's going to come into this game. And I would be, blown away if we don't if we don't rely more on three ball granted part of that's because of the matchup and and what we're going to have to see inside the paint and what's going to be you know down low and and what we're going up against but i think some of it was buzz buzz is just a really smart game planner and not even in the current game but like thinking like what could happen if we win like what's the next game going to look like and what can we like not show people as much as we we are showing people so now you got two games of film where we're basically playing everything inside of the three and then you come out in this game and i think he's going to show a completely different look and I, I honestly i love it i i mean i love the game theory i love the, the approach it could completely backfire i mean if we come out cold and outlaws missing everything and you know hill can't hit you know a a shot from outside it could completely backfire or it could just be utter domination i mean it's really it's fun to watch that the way this team adapts
0: i'm gonna lay three different stats on you that will hopefully make you and our listeners feel better about the matchup uh one Duke is 331st in three-point percentage. They do not shoot the ball well from three whatsoever. Their best shooter from three is Alex O'Connell. He didn't even play in the UCF game, and he was only playing a lot of minutes when Zion was out. Uh, They are 245th in free-throw percentage. So if this gets into a free-throw contest, we should have a nice advantage there. We are 19th in free-throw percentage. And last but not least, almost eight turnovers per game, or just over, actually, eight turnovers per game, for the trio of Zion, Barrett, and Reddish. Reddish has been very inconsistent with the basketball. He had a decent game versus UCF. He hit three threes, uh, but he is prone to turn the ball over. Uh, Zion gives it up more than twice a game, and R.J. Barrett, although he does average four assists, he also averaged over three turnovers. So that's just something to, to think about. And if we can turn them over, and like I was talking about earlier, get it to Robinson, get it to Hill in transition, get some easy baskets. We're going to need as many easy baskets as possible in this
1: game. And the fourth metric is uh, how much time uh, Coach K has spent on SiriusXM XM radio uh, doing his... <laughs> like, I've listened to... Like, he's on the radio all the time. I just don't... I, I don't if buzz was on the radio that much, I would be like concerned for our team. And I know coach K is a hall of famer by far. He's going to be go down as one of the greatest coaches of all time, but it's, it's incredible to me. And it it, honestly, I think it's starting to your point about like what the sets and like what they're putting out on the court and stuff. I, I, I don't know how much time he's spending on that kind of stuff versus just getting elite talent and then rolling the ball out, like you said, out onto the court. So He better... Buzz is a statistical mastermind like in terms of figuring out every single way that you can beat a team and and put yourself in the best position and your players in the best position to win. And I'm just not sure Coach K is really putting in that amount of effort anymore.
0: It also could be a thing like you were saying with Buzz where Buzz is playing a little cat and mouse game where he's not doing exactly what he's going to do in the future matchup. Maybe Coach K was like, I'm not game planning for North Dakota state. Like mm-hmm. I'm not going to do too much game planning for UCF. Like I'm sure he's delegates and I'm sure there's a lot of preparation oh, there's that goes tons into of it. Preparation. I, I'm simplifying. But when you watch them play, there's it's it's not like this beautiful brand of Spurs basketball of like, you know, ball movement and like offensive sets and all this beautiful stuff. It's it's um if it gets clogged up, if Zion's not having his A game, uh, if we're hitting 3s like they're going to be a very beatable team. So,
1: yeah.
0: I'm I'm very excited. If we were to beat Duke, we have to mention the other two teams that are left in our bracket and that's Michigan State and LSU. Uh people were skeptical LSU could make this far uh based on what's going on with their coaching situation, um but they're they're there along with all almost all the other highly ranked teams. I think I'd rather play LSU than Michigan State if we were to somehow beat Duke because they're 18th in the Ken Palm as opposed to third. Michigan State's better in the Ken Palm than Duke. Um, And they're fourth in offense, eighth in defense. LSU has at least the weakness of they're 48th in defense. So they are susceptible to being scored on. Um, Like I said, we got to get there, but we're not going to have a podcast before Uh, the end of the weekend so if we do pull off the massive upset uh, we we at least want to let you know that uh, we'd like to play lsu and we'll we'll see where the chips fall yeah
1: i mean that michigan state team i in one of my brackets i have i have us beating duke and in in one bracket and i have two brackets and that's one of my brackets and then i have us losing to michigan state that team scares me i mean they're big the lsu team is despite the coaching situation has played fantastic, but they do not scare me nearly as much. It's just like the the size and the range that, that Michigan state and Izzo,
0: he's a legend, you know, you want to go up against as few coaching legends as possible. And since we're already hitting one this weekend, it would be nice not to go up against another one. That's right. Uh, But, but we'll see Uh, in terms of um, our hopes and our dreams for this tournament. I mean, at this point we have a legitimate shot at the Final Four. And and people might scoff at that, but there's only sixteen teams left. You're one weekend away from potentially being in the final four. And uh Brian Marcolini on the key play put out a nice article that I read and he he said it multiple times, why not Virginia Tech? Mm-hmm. And it, it's true. I there's there's teams every year. That are not a one or two seed that go to the Final Four. He and he laid it all out. And there's always a team that's a four seed or beyond that's in the Final Four. Back to like 2010. And there's no reason it couldn't be us. And it, that prospect, it's thrilling because in a lot of ways, a Final Four is like a championship in college basketball. Just by the way people remember it, you get to hang a banner. You can of course recruit off of it and there will be a ton of gear and i will buy a truckload of it.
1: <laughs> yes, i will have every shirt uh, known to man. But uh, I, and i agree and it's tough. I mean, we got we got a we have tough sledding no matter how you look at it. Whether it's we have to get past Duke, which is um probably arguably by most people the hardest matchup that you could have at this at this stage. I think North Carolina is actually playing better than Duke right now, but you know nobody everybody is anticipating what what Duke can do and, and anticipating their ceiling and and if we go up against their you know their ceiling type play then we are going to have a hard time and then you follow that up with either LSU who's playing fantastic basketball even despite the coaching situation or Michigan State who's just an unbelievable team as well so yeah but why not us? I mean, and at this point, it's kind of like having a lottery ticket. You know, it's, and I always joke around. It's like, you know, when it's in your wallet and you're sitting there, you always spend, think about what you're, you know, to spend a million dollars on. Um, and maybe, maybe this Virginia Tech team can do. I do think in terms of culture, spirit, attitude, cohesiveness in the team, the amount that even the younger players want to do for the senior players There is not a team left in the top 16 that I can think of that has more fight in them than Virginia Tech right now. Now, granted, talent a lot of times can overweigh fight, but they are going to come out and they're going to play their hearts out. And quite honestly, during that Liberty game and during the St. Louis game, I don't think we even saw what this Virginia Tech team is capable of when they want if it even backs up against the wall and they need to really put something up on the board and, and, and get a win. Um, I would be, if I was a huge Duke fan, I would be very scared of going up against Virginia tech, uh, mm-hmm. in this sweet 16. that That is I mean, not the matchup you want.
0: They only have five losses on the whole year and we are one of them. A caveat or not, like we, our team is not afraid of that team. Mm-hmm. You know, we beat that team. So, I'm, I'm ecstatic. I mean, I know that it's going to be very difficult. I know like the odds are stacked against us, but if I had like a list of the teams I could pick to play in this tournament, Duke would not be number one that's left, but they wouldn't be the last one. I'll tell you that right now, because I just like the way we play that school. Like how many times have we gone up against Duke as underdogs and we've beaten them in the last 10 years. It's happened a lot of times. Uh, I'm, I feel, I feel excited and I just feel good about our chances. I'm not saying we're going to win. Um, I just think, uh, I just think they're going to give them a hell of a game. Like you said, I think they're not going to quit. And a, a, a team with one guy that's over six foot six is going to give this monster squad of NBA players a run for their money. That's just the way I feel.
1: Yeah. And I think it's good to, you know, kind of finish it up with, you know, we may well since we won't do a podcast between now and and and, and after this until we debrief on it. It's, I'm I'm I just feel like we're we're getting to watch something like really special with this team. So uh, you know, I'm super appreciative of all the effort that they've put in and what they've accomplished thus far because, you know, we could go out on Friday and you know take a, a big a big L and it'll all be over but uh it's been it's been a lot of fun you know in covering this team and seeing you know their growth over the years their cohesiveness and there's a lot of there's a lot of stories that we don't even get to know about in terms of the players on this team and, and what they've kind of contributed and what they've had to gone through, go through. Um, so I, uh, I mean, it, what more could you, could you want from your basketball team than have them, you know, in the sweet 16 and seeing them fight for it. So I hope next time we hop on the podcast that, um, we're still talking about them in the race, but in the, in the interim period, I couldn't be, you know more happy to have um you know been part of kind of just talking about them
0: i know it's it's been a, a a weird season with a lot of adversity but here we sit at the the furthest we've ever gone in the damn thing and it's 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 really it's really hard to believe um I'm pumped, man. I, uh, it's gonna be hard again on Friday because we have that late slot. It's at nine forty at night ish. That's the scheduled time. Who knows if that'll actually be the tip time? Might not tip till ten or something. But, um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm ready. I am ready. Yeah
1: my my eyes are just gonna continue getting more and more bloodshot as we go through this <laughs> tournament. So, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Robbie
0: uh, was. Uh, he was drinking a little bit last night, uh, a little bit more than me, up until what, like midnight or something. So you're a little, you're. I, I give you kudos for coming on the podcast and uh and doing this tonight because I know it was it was tough for you.
1: No, it was. It's well worth it for this team. Um, but yeah, it's honestly, it's just, it's so cool to see them all put it together, and 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 it's been. It's been more fun than I'm a I'm a football guy. So having getting this excited about basketball this season and following it this closely has been awesome. It's like spring football is not even happening right now because <laughs> we're not hearing a word anyway. Yeah. So there's our there's our jab because we'll always put one out there. Hey, what channel is the spring game on? Uh, yeah, by the way? yeah. I
0: gotta find that spring game. I, I, I'll yeah. check the listings. Yeah. Okay, you can find us on Twitter. It's Too Deep VT. Instagram is the same handle, at 2 dvt 2 dvtcom is a website where you can stream every podcast. And 2DeepVT at gmail.com is where you can email us any questions, comments, or concerns you have. Make sure to subscribe and review us on iTunes. That will help us out. And until next time, when hopefully we're in the final floor, go hookies.